Director here at Connect. And I'm here to share with you kind of what happened over this week in June. And so we take missions trips with our students. We take missions trips with our adults here at the church. And our students are actually very involved in missions. And so um, one of the things we do actually, and maybe you are checking us out, maybe you're new with us and you're just stepping in here for the first time and you're wondering, why are we taking a whole service to talk about what happened in Memphis? And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about that right now. So you see our vision here for missions for youth is actually in Acts chapter 1 and it's in verse 8 and so that'll be up here on the screen and it says this it says and you will be my witnesses this is Jesus talking to his disciples as he's getting ready to leave them and go back to heaven this is after he's resurrected and he's starting the movement of the church and he looks at them and he tells them this right before he goes he says you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And he says, if you look at this on a map, you see when he says you're going to go tell people about me in Jerusalem, that's where they were when he was talking about this. This is their backyard. You could think of this as their Akron, if you will, which is why we do local trips in Akron every other year with our youth, right, with the students. And so then he says go throughout Judea. And if you look at a map, that's just a little bit further out from Jerusalem and then you go into Samaria and that's a little bit even further out and then the ends of the earth is well you get it and so it's even further and so he says go and start where you live because where you live matters and work out from there start at home work outwards and so we kind of take this idea and help our students kind of get a picture of what that could look like by every four years we do this we do a local trip here in Akron we do a national trip somewhere in the United States that doesn't require a passport um, and then we go on another local trip and then we go on an international trip so this summer we went to our Judea if you will we went to Memphis Tennessee and then next year, we'll do Mission Akron again, and then we'll do an international something the year after that. And we're really excited about that. But I want to take some time and kind of talk to you about why we're doing this, what we did, and why this was so life-changing for our students. But before I do that, and before I tell you about the trip itself, I want to take some time and thank a few people that helped this trip really take off and really happen. And so first of all, I wanted to think, I'm going to talk about them here in a little bit, but Serve 901 was the main organization we worked with, and in particular, the person we worked with there, his name is Jeff Riddle. And so, Jeff, if you happen to be watching, you're the best. And so, I want to say thank you so much to you, Jeff. Um, Serve 901 provided all of our housing. They connected us to all the organizations I'm about to talk about here, and they kind of helped organize and make our trip go. And so Jeff does a lot for the city of Memphis, and he did a lot for us this week, and that's awesome. I want to take some time and thank the Connect Church staff for letting me and Ashley go, um, <laughs> having us step away, and them kind of filling in some places for us while we were gone was super helpful. And then all their prayers for us and all and everything, just I want to thank the rest of the Connect Church staff as well. 
I wanted to thank Ivan and Heather Strong more. These, were two, these are two individuals that we hung out with in Memphis. And they're not just individuals. They were actually Ashley and I's mentors in college. They were also our coworkers for a little bit and they moved to Memphis and they actually helped us get connected with Serve 901. And they did a lot of stuff. I'm gonna talk about it in just a minute. They did a lot of stuff for us and with us while we were there. And so they need a huge thank you. If you're watching out there, Ivan and Heather, thank you. And I also wanted to thank the parents of all these students on the team. If you sent your student and trusted them with us, I want to say thank you. I know that that's a big deal and I don't want that to go unnoticed. And so thank you parents for trusting us with your students. That's awesome. And it was an incredible week. I'm sure you've heard all about it more than most. And I just wanted to say thank you to you as well. Um, and then finally, I wanted to say a big thank you to all of you who helped us raise money for this trip. Whether you bought a pepperoni roll, whether you bought a chocolate covered strawberry order, you ran in the 5k, maybe you were one of our sponsors for the 5k, like you guys really helped fund these students that, into an incredible week that the Lord blessed and used. So I just want to say a huge thank you to anybody who gave money towards us going. So thank you so much. Thank you. But now I kind of want to talk about, well, what did we do? And so we partnered with a lot of great organizations. And I want to take some time first to talk about Serve 901 in particular, because they were our main partner while we were here in Memphis. And what you're about to see is actually something really cool. And I think why it made sense for us to hang out with Serve 901 is they essentially do Mission Akron 24-7. So what they do, and then not just do they do Mission Akron 24-7, like the main city planner from Memphis hangs out with these guys all the time. And so they are at the core of everything that's going on in the city in some incredible interconnected ways. And they help resource people and they help connect all the organizations that are within the city for the betterment of the city and allow other people to serve alongside of them. And so they do some incredible work. They did, they have a bunkhouse for teams to come down and do that. And so we were able to hang out with them and they provided that bunkhouse for us and it was really, really nice. Um, and then they also helped connect us to all the things that we did here. But here's their, their mission statement. I thought this was so cool. I want to share with you. They believe in engage, learn, and serve. And so here's their mission with engage. They say they believe in engaging your own city to understand the everyday of the city. And so to, to really get what's going on is maybe you live where you live, but you've never taken the time to draw close to the, what's going on where you live. You have to understand what's happening where you live so that you can go and serve. And so um, Serve 901, that's of course their area code, is all about engaging the city, figuring out what's going on there, and then resourcing those places to make sure that they are being served the best. They are also all about learning. You see, Memphis has a rich history that has shaped it. There's a lot to learn about justice, the civil rights movement, and reconciliation. We're 
going to talk about this here in a second, but this was integral and is integral to the history of Memphis is the civil rights movement. And they, in a lot of ways, know more than most people the hard work that needs to happen in order to make things right again. And so they believe in educating, and that's why whenever any trip comes with Serve 901, the very first thing you do is you go to the Civil Rights Museum. And it's because everybody in that city, everybody there knows it, they, they, they understand it, they've grieved through it, they're still grieving through it, and they, they know about it very, very well. They know how they got there and why. And so if you come to Memphis, you got to know about it. And so they, they really help a lot with educating people and educating the city and educating the leaders there as well. And then, of course, serving, supporting and serving with local groups in Memphis for city improvement. And so they, of course, equip people to go and serve and be the hands and feet of Jesus within the city. And that's, that's what Serve 901 does. And we were thrilled to be able to hang out with them because we learned a lot from them and they really equipped us and resourced us and they're an incredible group and so um, I can't really get into I don't have the time to talk about all the incredible stuff that Serve 901 does but they're they're kind of something else and so I want to talk about them but then I want to talk about the rest of our partners here for a second too wants to talk about Ivan and Heather. I did mention they were our Ashley and I's mentors in college and we were at a wedding two summers ago and they were there and we were talking about this vision for our youth and how you know we take national trips and they're like you should come to Memphis. That's where we live. I think it'd be awesome. I can hook you up with Jeff and serve 901. You can they you know so we kind of had this awesome brainstorming session over dinner while we were there at this wedding and they helped us immensely while we were here. You know they didn't just hook us up and leave. They're very good friends of Ashley and I's, and they not only came and brought us donuts at some of our work sites, which was great, um, but they hosted uh, Bible studies for us. They brought us to their church, which is called Hope, and uh, we went to service with them. They did Sunday school with us. Heather made us incredible iced coffee, um, and she also uh, was our tour guide at the Civil Rights Museum, and so she has gone through it a lot, and so she helped she helped us really navigate the history of that, connecting dots that needed connected, helped us process our feelings because the Civil Rights Museum is really intense and it's on, it is a life-changing thing I'll talk about here in just a minute. But Heather really did a lot of work with us to help us through that and that was incredible. And so Ivan and Heather, they're incredible and they were awesome partners of ours while we were there. We also worked with a group called Room in the Inn. And so while you saw in that video, you saw us like changing bed sheets and wiping stuff down and preparing a meal. That's what we did there with Room in the Inn. Now, Room in the Inn, they're an unsheltered ministry. And so I said unsheltered on purpose. You're probably wondering what that word means. It's their word for a homeless person. However, as they've started working with homeless people, they realize there's a stigma that comes with the word homeless that kind of has more of a permanence with it. And they were like, that's not okay because this is a, we can solve this. We can figure this out. We can help people get out of their predicament. So let's call it something temporary. Temporarily unsheltered guests is how they refer to their people there. And that gives them and provides them with a lot of dignity, which is really important in unsheltered ministries because most of them don't have that. 
And so what they do at Room in the Inn is, is awesome. It actually started as one church got a vision and a hope for caring for unsheltered people that were in their neighborhood. And they started just bringing them in in the winter when it was cold and they'd give them a shower and a hot meal and then let them spend the night in their gym or whatever. And then they'd send them on their way. And they started doing this and word started getting out that this church was doing this and it started to grow and grow and grow. And so this one church reached out to eventually about 30 to 40 churches and they all started participating and helping these unsheltered people and so every church in that area of those 30 to 40 they'd take one night a month and all the unsheltered people would travel basically from church to church being served over the course of that time and it was this incredible ministry and as they started to get to understand and learn and engage with you're starting to see how this is connected and engage with the people there they realize we can only do so much within the what we're doing and so they actually there was an abandoned hospital in town and they bought it and they're currently renovating it but they've renovated a big chunk of it and it's it's totally usable now and so they have two whole wings of that hospital renovated and they're working on renovating the rest of it to add more services and things they can do but they have two big wings because in memphis they realize the unsheltered problem kind of has two categories with it first one is like a circumstantial unsheltered person this is what you would think of when you think of like a if you would like a typical air quote homeless person right they some sort of unforeseen circumstance happens they end up homeless of maybe a series of events whether it's a job loss a car loss whatever they there's all sorts of reasons that you can end up in that circumstance right so they have a whole wing for those individuals they give them an apartment while they're there and um, that is their permanent address which helps with job applications and then they help navigate and they live with these people and they hang out with them and serve them and help them kind of get out of the circumstances they're in kind of one step at a time and they have all sorts of resources and know a bunch of people around the city to kind of help them get into that and they have this really cool thing that they do is when somebody moves out they take their house key to their room at room in the inn and they paint it and their whole family's involved and they have this really cool wreath that all of them hang their key on as they leave and so the first thing you see when you walk into room in the inn is all the people who got out of being unsheltered because of what they did and it's awesome and they have a whole second wing that's for hospital people and what I mean by that is is in Memphis if you're at the hospital let's say you get in a car accident you have cancer you get a diagnosis whatever it might be and you go to the hospital if they find out that you are homeless and don't have a place to live they kick you out just in your robes and they say see ya and they put you on the street just in your robes and they get you out so they started realizing this is obviously a problem and this isn't good and so um, they regularly go to the local hospitals where people are getting kicked out and they have them come in and they give them temporary address there at room in the inn and they have a couple nurses on staff that help with more maintenance things but because they are able to have an address while they live there they can then go back and get the treatments that they need while they're in the hospital and so they have about 70 residents right now 
70 guests, and um, we were able to go and help them. We flipped some rooms for some new people who were coming in. We helped, uh, you know, do some storage stuff for them that kind of gets out of hand as you go, as you're doing the day-to-day stuff in ministry. And we were able to prepare a meal for all 70 of them and get to meet all the people. And it, w- it was an incredible thing that we did there at Room in the Inn. And then we worked with Neighborhood Christian Center. And if you saw on the video, all of us hanging out with kids, um, that's what we did there at Neighborhood Christian Center. And so Neighborhood Christian Center is an incredible organization. And what they do is, is they realize that there's a lot of generational poverty within Memphis. And it's a cyclical thing. If you know anything about poverty, it's really hard to get out of that cycle of poverty because there's so many moving parts that happen. Now, what they realized was, was one of the problems in specifically in Memphis was that kids couldn't get out of it because they didn't know how to read. And so they said, and they're, they're a Christian-based organization, and they said, you know, well, we can help with that. And so they started looking at these underserved communities. I used another word there that's different because Neighborhood Christian Center kind of pulled the rug out from all of us. And they said, we can't really call them underprivileged people because isn't it the church's job to serve the poor? So if, if, if there's poor people in our city, it means they're underserved. It means the church isn't doing their job. So they believe in calling all these neighborhoods underserved communities and they're doing something about it. So they go into these communities that are underserved and they buy apartments that are within there and they convert them into kind of community centers that they can have a home base in and then they start doing after school programs for kids and they teach them how to read and they teach them the gospel and they love on them and do all that. And so we were there with them for a bunch of days and we hung out with them at all uh, their six locations they have at various different apartment complexes within the city and we got to hang out with them and teach kids how to read and show them the gospel and love on them and it's awesome and then we worked with a group called the works and so the works their primary thing they do actually is they help people buy their first homes because the best way out of generational poverty is home ownership and so they said well let's let's work with people and get them out of that and help them buy their houses. And so there's a lot of work. It's really messy in Memphis because there's a lot of people, a lot of big wealthy people who come into Memphis and buy the cheap properties and they they skyrocket rent. Happens all the time. They don't even live there. They don't even know the people. They just buy the property because it's cheap and then raise rent super high or they make it so no one can buy it. And so the works is incredible. And they've helped over 3,000 families buy their first home while they're there. And as they started to do this, as you know, more and more families started buying their first homes while they were in Memphis, um, they realized that, that this is a big problem. And some of the problems that they started to realize were one thing Thing was that Memphis is a food desert. And if you don't know what a food desert is, it means that you don't have access to fresh, affordable, legitimate food to cook or have nutrition within a radius around where you live that doesn't require a car. So, you know, if, if you don't own a home and you're struggling, or maybe you do own a home and you can't make the car payment and your car goes away, well, now you don't have access to food. What are you going to do? 
And so um, the works started realizing we need to do something about that. And so there's all these blighted, abandoned properties around the city. And so they're currently buying up different parts of it and they're turning those properties into urban farms. And they bought some other properties and they're strategically placing affordable grocery stores within neighborhoods that they're gonna put those crops in and sell them to the people at super affordable rates that they can actually do something with to help better the community. And so we went and helped on two of their different farms. The one was like a traditional farm. It was their first year of planting. And so we were helping plant like tomatoes and peas and all sorts of stuff. And we were weeding. And I mean, there was a lot of stuff that we did there with them, with Theo over there. And then the other thing we did was, was we, uh, one of the things that they have is they had a, a tree farm and they had 10,000 potted trees that are getting ready to be planted. And they kind of got overrun with weeds. And so if you saw us being really, really muddy in that video, that was that day. And so we went and it was super hot. It was like the hottest day we were there, of course. And we were in about ankle deep mud under an overpass of a highway with 10,000 trees. And we helped them pull weeds and get the trees ready to go to be planted. And so the works is just an incredible organization. And then I put the civil rights movement on here last, not because we did it last, because our trip started with this and it kind of set the pace for everything we did over the course of this week. And you see, because I think it's very strategic that Serve 901 has you do this first because it sets the tone for everything that happens over the course of the week. You see, for those of you who don't know, Dr. King was assassinated in the Lorraine Motel, uh, standing on his balcony that was in Memphis. And so as this has happened, the Civil Rights Museum is inside that motel that he was assassinated in. And so they preserved the front face of the motel. They added an addition onto the back where you go in and you start in the basement of the Civil Rights Museum that's in the slave trade. And then you kind of slowly spiral your way up the museum until you're in the room that Dr. King stayed in on the night he was assassinated. And then you stand there and it's a very harrowing, life-changing experience to stand on the balcony where he was shot. And it's this really intense museum. And if you have never been, you need to go. Every single person needs to go at least once in their lifetime. I mean that. It's a life-changing opportunity and a life-changing museum that you will not regret going to. You'll see things you didn't know about. <laughs> You'll grieve You'll be filled with a lot of sorrow, but you'll also see how good the Lord is in the middle of it. And so I promise you, you need to do it. And I could talk for the next month, two months, three months about all the things we learned in the Civil Rights Museum, but quite frankly, we don't have the time, but I would love to talk to you about it more. But this was a, this was a, a big one for all of us. And so with that brief overview of what we did, um, that, that was the trip. And I loved that. And I wanted to, you know, give you an opportunity to kind of hear what we did. And I'm going to talk a little bit more in just a second. But I wanted to kind of bring the team up for just a second. So why don't you guys all come up here. 
And while they're coming up here, um, I wanted to let you know that we're going to have two of our students uh, share about what their experience was in Memphis, because you can only hear so much of me talking, and so I would love for, for you to hear from them. And so we have Lilibet and we have Gavin, and uh, Lilibet's going to go first here, and she's going to tell you all about what she did on this trip. This being... Hello? Okay. <laughs> this being my first out-of-state missions trip, I wouldn't trade being on it for anything. From the people on it to the fun things we did, I had a great time. The Lord showed me so many amazing things on the trip, and he definitely taught me that having patience is very important, and that in life, you might not always know what you're doing next or what's going to happen around you. One of my favorite things that we did on the trip was helping at Neighborhood Christian Center mainly because I love working with kids, but also these kids were just the sweetest, and you could just hang out with them all day. The Lord definitely showed me that people have it way worse than me, and also showed me how much work and sorrow people have gone through to have the lifestyle we have now, and that is definitely something I am thankful for. Some of the people at these places we went to might not have known where their next meal was coming from, but they still had a smile on their face through everything. Another thing I loved about the trip was the people that came on I felt welcomed by everyone with open arms, and I built stronger friendships with all of them. I also want to thank Travis and Ashley for always hanging out with us students and just being amazing youth leaders. The way they love and treat us is the way I want to love and treat other people, and I see God through them whenever I'm around them. Someone else I want to thank is Tabby and Cassidy, the other two girl students on the trip. I felt very loved by them, and the way they let me hang out with them helped me out so much and I'm very grateful that the Lord put them in my life. I also wanna say a big thank you to all the other students on the trip as well. I can see God working in every single one of their lives. I enjoyed going on this trip very much and I'm so thankful I could be a part of it. So this is what it's like for dad to be up here. All right, this is cool. Um, hello everyone. For those of you who do not know me, my name is Gavin Knight, uh, and I went on this trip with a very open heart and an open mind to whatever God had to show me that week. While there were many things that God showed me that week, I would like to share with you the main thing that I learned during Memphis 2023 missions trip. This week, God showed me that even with a small group, he can still do amazing things. Uh, we only had about 10 people on this trip, which is the smallest missions team that I have ever seen in all of my years as a youth pastor's kid. But it was also a group that I saw do some of the most hard work with no hesitation and zero regret. I remember a specific day we were working uh, with the organization, The Works. Uh, it was a hot day and we were all very tired and from working with kids the past three days and working at another site that The Works had for us. And that day it just seemed like Satan was coming after every single one of us. We were all super hot and muddy and hot and to top it all off it started to rain like right in the middle of it and it was that type of rain where it was like still light enough to where we could still work but still hard enough to where it was annoying you know and we were all just kind of over it but we kept pushing through and we kept pulling weeds out of the potted trees but at the very end of our time that we were there uh, we were talking with the work works representative and he said something that I won't forget for years to come he said something along the lines of, uh, maybe someday these trees that you've helped weed will be a tree house for a kid one day. 
And it got me thinking. If doing something as arbitrary as pulling weeds out of a potted tree, are, like, if, that, if that's really that important, then like, what other small things can I do in Jesus' name to change the world, you know? And personally, I still have yet to find the answer to that question, but um, I ask you that same question. What is a small thing that you can do for someone in Jesus' name that will potentially change the world? Um, I want to thank Travis, Ashley, and Kristen uh, for putting up with us uh, for an entire week in Memphis. Um, and I also want to thank every single person who supported us uh, for this trip, whether it be financially or through prayer, just know that it all went to great use. Um, but me and Lilibet are only two sides of an amazing story, so talk to every one of us. We have a story of some kind, so thank you very much. Thank you, guys. So I think you can see, Lord did some awesome stuff while we were in Memphis. And I want to take some time, and I wanted to share with you what I saw while I was on this trip and the things that I took away from it for these students and for you guys, because it's going to change your life too, I promise. You can ask anybody on this team. Every single night, we would do reflection time, and at the end of that reflection time every night, I'd ask them the exact same question, which was this. What are you going to bring home from this trip? And I didn't mean their super cool souvenirs from the Peabody Duck Hotel, although those were awesome. Uh, but I meant that every single short-term missions trip is designed with the end in mind. We aren't designed to stay there, and we're in fact always going to go home. And so the question is, is when you go home, what are you going to bring back with you? What things do you need to bring because it changed you to your core? And there's several things that this whole group agreed upon that we needed to bring home with us. We agreed we needed to bring home our unified sense of community and friendship that's centered around Jesus. We agreed we needed to bring back the laughs and playing murder in the dark and the great stories that we have from it. And we also agreed we needed to bring back a renewed love for God's word. And all those things are true, and I can tell you that all these students brought all of those things back with them. However, I think the foundation of what we brought back with us, about the main theme of what we all brought, was justice. You see, we all have those moments in life. Those moments that strike us as unfair. Those moments in life that strike us as unsettling or just downright unjust. Maybe it's when you get that really bad phone call. Maybe it's when so-and-so is in the hospital for the 18th time this month. Maybe it's when you turn on the news. Maybe it's when you read a history book and you see the horrible things that people have done to each other. Maybe it's when you go to Walmart down the street on Arlington and you see the unsheltered people who are living in the parking lot. Maybe it's when your neighbor pulls you aside and they tell you about a dark time in their life or a dark time they're currently going through and you don't quite know how to help them. 
Maybe it's when that family member did that thing to you. We have those moments. The list goes on from the impersonal, unsettling, large things that we see that we have no control over all the way down to those little personal ones that are within our families and friends and close loved ones. Those moments where you are stuck not knowing what to do and you're unsure of where God is in the middle of it. It's in those moments that it's extremely hard to know how to react where to turn, and what to do. It's those situations that feel vastly out of your hands. And in Memphis, we saw plenty of situations that were vastly out of our hand, from the kid who didn't know how to read or where their next meal was coming from, to the food deserts where people did not have access to any fresh, sustainable food to provide for their family to the systemic issues that keep homeless people homeless and unable to afford rent or a mortgage. There are all these issues that seem insurmountable. See, these issues, at the same time, while we saw these in Memphis, these issues are all close to the Lord's heart Look at what Micah says. He's talking to Israel when they're in one of those moments. They're in one of those, those moments where they don't quite know what to do and where to turn. And the Lord encourages them with this. He says, he being Lord has told you, O oh man, what is good? And he, what does the Lord require of you? But three things, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk with Jesus. He tells them just those three things. He says, when you are following the Lord, when you're in those circumstances where you don't quite know what to do, he says, you actually need to do justice to love kindness and to walk with Jesus. And what's interesting about justice is in the Bible, justice is almost never just God smiting somebody from heaven. It happens, but that's not really what he's talking about when he's saying do justice. It's not go out and just smite somebody. What he's saying is justice is always 100% of the time relational. And all of those issues, all those things that you feel like are unjust in your life, it all comes down to the same thing. That something isn't right in a relationship between you and somebody else. And what are the steps that you can take to make it right again and to bring restoration that actually matters. That's what he means when he says to do justice. He says to love kindness. There's plenty of great things in the world, even in the middle of the darkest of times. We should love the great things that people are doing. Whether they're Christians or not, there's plenty of people doing awesome stuff in the world. We should love that. And then we need to walk with Jesus right alongside him in the middle of all of that. The reality is, while we were in Memphis, we only got a very small glimpse of these situations that the organizations we partnered with deal with every single day. 
We were able to come alongside them to do some justice, to love and build up the kindness that they were doing and to walk alongside Jesus with them and the people that we were serving. But why is justice so important? Why am I sitting up here talking about the need for it so badly? Why do we all desire it so badly? And why are these students so excited to bring it back with them? Look at what Dr. King said. He said, true peace is not merely the absence of tension. It's the presence of justice. Every single word here is intentional. True peace. There's fake peace out there. That fake peace often looks like just removing somebody out of the tense situation that you're in. It looks like withdrawing and avoiding the issues that are at hand because you just need a breath for a second. And sometimes you do just need a breath. But that doesn't last, does it? And he says that actually that kind of peace where you just remove the bad thing and go away actually isn't going to do you any good because you actually need the presence of justice. The key word here is presence. Justice is always relational. It's always personal. And it requires the presence of a relational, personal, loving God who's in the business of making things right. So I don't, I don't know what you might be going through right now. There's plenty of places you can be right now. But do you need some peace? And I don't mean any peace. I mean that personal, justice-providing peace that makes all things right and good. That is what is at the heart of the gospel, is making things right, bringing about restoration, and changing the world because you care about it. There's a lot of work to be done, and I can tell you that these students all got a glimpse of what it means to draw close to other people for the sake of justice, for the sake of Jesus and his mission. And they understand and are excited about drawing close to people here in Akron, being present, showing kindness, walking with the Lord for the sake of bringing peace that only the Lord's justice can provide. And that's what we brought back from Memphis. And the point of every single short-term missions trip is to see what the Lord is asking you to bring back. And this week, we're sending another team. So if you're on our Guatemala team, why don't you come up here for a second? If you're going to Guatemala, come up and just kind of stand here in front. Yep. Also want to ask... Uh, our, our uh, missions leadership team, if you want to come up here, if you're on the missions leadership team, you want to come up here and help us pray over this team. And also, Memphis team, why don't you guys come up here? 
put some hands on these individuals, get close, and you guys as the Memphis team can help send out the people as you guys have come back. And church, if you guys want to stand up for a second, we're going to take some time. We're going to pray for this Guatemala team. We're going to send them out in the love of Jesus. So in a second, I'm going to pray. And when, when we do, if you want to, you can put your hand out and pray over this team with us. But as we're about to do this, I want to challenge the Guatemala team, those of you who are going to Guatemala. My challenge to you is the same question I asked all of the students every single night. What are you going to bring home? I hope it's some coffee for me. But also, <laughs> what are you going to bring home? How are you going to change the world when you get back? And for all of us here, my challenge to you, how can you be present with just one person this week? to be with them and actually seek to understand them, not just to remove the pain and the problem, but to actually be in the middle of it with them. How can you be present with somebody else this week to help do justice, to make things right in the name of Jesus? I wanna pray for this team as they're heading out. Lord, we love you. We thank you that we have the opportunity to go and serve, to be your hands and feet, that we have the opportunity to make things right, that this Guatemala team has the opportunity to make things right for a family and build them a house. That's incredible. And God, I ask that for this team here, that you would open their eyes, open their hearts, and allow them to see you while they're there but to also understand that you're sending them to bring them back. So allow them to bring back something incredible that's gonna change Akron for the better. Pray for all the people they're going to serve, the lives they're going to touch, the individuals they're going to talk to, that they would be filled with your grace at every single turn, whether it's from the TSA agent who's patting them down in an inconvenient time, all the way to the person who needs their house built. Pray for them as they travel. Pray for them that they won't get on each other's nerves in the middle of that. Pray that they will wear their sunscreen and stay hydrated to stay away from sunburn. Lord, you are good to us. Thank you for doing justice. Thank you for providing peace that only you can. We love you. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys for hanging out with us today. Um, hopefully you learned something about Memphis. Come say hi to the students who went to Memphis. Come pray for the Guatemala team. We will see you next week.